0: pain.tv ladies and gentlemen i am dustin gold with the Dustin gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold so that was my segment my mom is crazy and gullible <laughs> as I believe many of your friends and family are as well, folks. All right, listen, over the break, I got to tell you, I was—I didn't really have to go to the bathroom. I just say that sometimes because it's a nice uh, bridge to get to the break. But, folks, I just popped onto Amazon here just for the heck of it, and I looked up uh, cricket food. <laughs> oh, folks, this is hilarious. They have uh, cricket bites three pack of assorted flavored edible insects made in portland oregon they have buds whole roasted crickets yeah you can get a quarter pound of those for 18 dollars they've got the combo pack chapulines edible dehydrated grasshoppers you can get those for 16.99 folks The first ones, though, it's a three pack. It's $11.95. That's the assorted flavor edible insects. And then they've got, uh, let's see here, they got more of these chupolines, edible dehydrated grasshoppers from Mexico. They've got Fluker's high calcium cricket diet. It's like a powder. There's Fluker's cricket quencher, calcium fortified provides clean water and calcium to crickets and feeder insects so that's actually to feed your crickets i guess so if you're going to raise crickets and then eat the crickets but the other stuff was was human food folks wow this is so there's cricket food so don't don't get confused don't buy the food for the crickets Uh, And then eat it yourself. Make sure you actually get the crickets. All right. This one, I don't know. This is a natural dried crickets and appetizing (laughs) mealworms. Natural. I don't know if that's for people or that's for the animal. I don't know, folks. Go take a look at it yourself. Go take a look. But some of this stuff is actually for people to eat. So it's already out there. It's already out there. All right. What I want to show you quick, you might have seen this clip, but uh, Hopeless American sent this over to me and Maria Albanese, co-host of the Thomas Paine podcast on Fridays. And this is our old buddy, klaus schwab but the reason why i'm going to play this folks it's important because it fits into what we talked about in episode 69 and 70 i believe 69 i read you the story of elon musk and i told you how they're framing elon musk up to be the president of the coming technocracy and then yesterday i explained to you what technocracy is and I started to give you some examples of how the technocracy is already here. It is being uh, put into place backdoor through the so-called private sector uh, by driving uh, blue-collared workers, the service industry, creatives into a system controlled by the technologists. And now they are controlling You know, the goods and services. And I will just say this. Uh, this is coming, folks. It is coming. It's probably coming a lot faster than you think. But what is ultimately going to happen is the grocery stores that you go to, and I'm not talking about farmer's markets, like the big grocery stores that you go to, they are eventually going to be turned into uh, essentially Amazon hubs, warehouses. I don't know if they're going to completely uh, remove those brick and mortar stores and there'll be one giant central warehouse or in the bridge. Scenario: These stores are going to be turned into warehouses. But basically, the idea of you going into a store shopping, I believe, is going to be over. Uh, probably within a couple of years. Everything's going to be turned into warehouses and everything will be delivered. So they'll actually control the goods behind lock and key. You'll be ordering them maybe in the metaverse, but essentially over e-commerce using an app like Instacart uh, or DoorDash. And then that stuff will be delivered to you and and I know from uh, maybe I'll be able to get a source on here, but inside this is this move is already in play, and so that's probably going to start to happen. Uh, Kroger, which is owned, uh, which is I believe the largest grocery store in the United States now, is building a big warehouse in this area. There are no Kroger stores here, but that is going to be basically online order only. So you're going to start to see this happen. And this Amazon uh, model. And so this is how the technocracy is going to take control of the manufacturing and production of goods and then the distribution of the goods and the services. You're seeing it. So let's go back to this video. This is on India Today from October 2019, pre-COVID land, the high school theater production. And let's just listen to what Klaus Schwab had to say back then. Who will really
1: command the 4th industrial revolution and its technology? Like artificial intelligence. What's
0: your sense of who's best placed at this time to lead the world into the fourth industrial revolution because you pretty much created this term. We're seeing the kind of technological strides that China has made with Huawei with the 5G technology. Do you believe that this could potentially be China's time once again? Okay, so this gentleman here is asking Klaus Schwab, who is fit? What nation state is fit to help advance the force industrial revolution as he credits Klaus Schwab with basically coming up with that term of which Klaus Schwab wrote the books, of Force Industrial Revolution, back in 2016. So, he's asking Klaus who is best fit. Is it China? Because China was rolling out 5G at the time, October 2019. Of course, Klaus, you know, obviously knew. It was a few months before COVID land, the high school theater production kicked off. Klaus's great reset. And so, you know that he was sitting there going (laughs) don't worry we already have it in place all right let's listen to what he says we we should make here uh, again a a,
1: let's say a differentiation on the one hand we have uh,
0: state capitalism on the other hand we have shareholder or private capitalism so it's Okay, so let, let's just pause that for a second. And let me explain. So he, he is saying, let's, let's look at this clearly. He's saying we have basically state-sponsored capitalism, and then we have shareholder capitalism, companies, private companies, right? So he's saying you have the state uh, governments, which run the economic system. Uh, and then you have the companies and basically shareholder capitalism, which would be you own stocks in that company, there's investors in that company, people that want to see the company succeed because they want to get a return on their investment in that company. I'm going to roll it back a couple seconds and play this. Again, a, a, let's say a differentiation. On the one
1: hand, we have uh, state capitalism, on the other hand, we have shareholder or private capitalism, so it 's a clash between two
0: systems i I believe that okay, so what he 's saying is state capitalism and the shareholder or private capitalism, you know, private company versus a publicly traded company with shares. So he's saying you have the two clashing, right? Well, what has the World Economic Forum been focused on? I've explained this to you. It is the public-private sector partnership, the bringing together of the state and the so-called private sector, which they're all combined now. It's one entity. I argue that this will be, or this is the technocracy. All right, let's continue. Um, state
1: capitalism in the short term, in the short term provides certain advantages because you can mobilize in a concentrated way a lot of resources to reach a specific objective.
0: Okay, so what he said there was that in the short term, the state... Right under state capitalism can push forward the fourth industrial revolution faster than the shareholder or private capitalism, the companies, the publicly traded companies or private companies, because the state. ...basically controls the levers of power, and therefore they could force the Fourth Industrial Revolution faster. All right, let's continue. But I believe that the future is
1: not state capitalism or shareholder capitalism. The future is what I call stakeholder capitalism, which um, is combined with the social responsibility.
0: Okay, so... so Okay, so what he is talking about here, folks, is what he calls, basically he created this term, stakeholder capitalism, uh, which he wrote about in uh, his books a long time ago. And so he's been advocating for this idea of stakeholder capitalism for over 50 years. Now, I'm not going to go into great detail on stakeholder capitalism. I think we're going to save that discussion uh, for our conversation with Jim or Wide Awake on Twitter because Jim uh, can explain this uh, in more depth and so if if I start doing stakeholder capitalism now with you, it's going to take me a couple of shows and I don't want to spend a couple of shows on stakeholder capitalism yet, but I just have up on the screen, it's a quick Google search in case you want to check this out yourself, I just looked up stakeholder capitalism, okay, and it will say here who came up with it. Uh, Klaus Schwab, founder and executive chairman of the World Economic Forum may be among Uh, The first people to use the term stakeholder capitalism about 50 years ago, World Economic Forum recently updated its original Davos Manifesto to clearly advocate for business strategies that address the needs of all stakeholders. And so here's something quick. What is the difference between stakeholder and shareholder capitalism? A shareholder owns part of a public company through shares of a stock, right? While a stakeholder has an interest in the performance of a company for reasons other than stock performance or appreciation. These reasons often mean that the stakeholder has a greater need for the company to succeed over a longer period uh, of time, over a longer term. And so if you research this in depth, uh, I will just tell you in short, The idea behind stakeholder capitalism that he sells, Klaus Schwab sells, is that there are customers, there are contractors of that company, there are a bunch of people, not just the people invested in it, that rely on that company. And so they should have a say in how these companies operate. And then what they're looping in is this social component that these companies have to be socially responsible because they're gonna answer to the stakeholders. But the idea is that the governments, the country governments, the nation states will be gone and everything will be operated by this idea of stakeholder capitalism. So these companies, these conglomerates uh, are in charge of everything. But don't worry because you have a stake in those companies. You need them to succeed and they're going to answer to you and therefore they'll be socially responsible based on what you desire when we get back i'll explain that just hold on think about it for a minute folks i am dustin gold with the dustin gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to Pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks, let me just quickly make this point here. So just a little more, what is stakeholder capitalism? Stakeholder capitalism is a system in which corporations are oriented to serve the interests of their stakeholders. Among the key stakeholders are customers, suppliers, employees, shareholders, and local communities. All right, so what Klaus Schwab is doing here, uh, sort of the spokesman, the PR man for the technocracy, which is the you know, fourth industrial revolution, right is they are telling people that don't worry because these companies that will be in control that will be effectively the new government folks are going to answer to the customers suppliers employees shareholders and local communities now here is the scam the scheme and the grift that is going on folks and we'll get deeper into this with jim with wide awake But what's happening is yesterday, this was important why we covered the technocracy before we talked about this, the idea behind the technocracy going back all the way to 1919, right, was this idea that the scientists and the engineers We're going to control the world under a worldwide government with no illusion of representative government, parliamentary systems, dictatorships, or whatever you want to say. No communism, no socialism, no capitalism, no fascism. Just the scientists and the engineers are gonna control everything. But remember, they are good guys and they're looking out for your best interests. And so the people are going to make the decisions and then the scientists and the engineers are going to listen to us and why that system would work folks is because representative democracy constitutional republic that we have right here this representative government it's worked so well you know because the people that are supposed to be in charge that we elect to answer to the will of the people have listened Okay, obviously that failed, and so now the scientists and engineers, they want the opportunity to do this. Well, what's happening, I'm telling you, (coughs) excuse me, is this is being backdoored in via multiple multiple ways, including the gig industry. I won't explain that again, but including the gig industry and these online gig platforms for creatives like Fiverr.com. And now what's going to happen, I'm telling you, it's the consolidation of business Uh, into the hands of the technocrats, these businessmen that represent the science, the engineer, the, uh, technologist, right? The Elon Musk, the Peter Thiels, these guys. So now the consolidation of business ends up under the hands of the scientists and engineers. And then these companies like Amazon that will control Everything its basically going to be these technocratic oligarchs, essentially, that will control large sectors of the production, of the supply chain, of the distribution of the goods and services, will be in control. But then you take this idea of stakeholder capitalism that Klaus Schwab is selling – Now, that serves two purposes. One, he's able to tell all the CEOs, all of these uh, corporate bureaucrats, that don't worry, you're going to be in charge of this stuff. Like, do you think that the CEO would turn over the reins of his company or the board of directors would turn over the reins of their company and the decisions to the customers, the suppliers, the employees, and the local community? I'm talking so fast today. But um, no, of course these people are not going to turn over control of these companies. So they have the CEOs on board because they're promising them that they are going to be these oligarchs in charge of these various sectors. And then at the same time, they're taking the idea of the stakeholder capitalism and they're going to sell that to the public. Remember, I told you, it's better for them to get people on board with this and to accept it, if not cheer it on, Because they don't want to have to do this by gunpoint. If they force people into it by gunpoint, then it's not going to work because there's always going to be these resistors. In this case, I don't know, let's just take a guess. 90% of people will gladly get on board. 10% of us, people like me and you, are not going to get on board with this, but it doesn't matter if only 10% resist. So, they're going to talk the general public into this. They probably aren't going to use stakeholder capitalism. I mean, we'll have to watch the media and entertainment to see if they start injecting this, just like they're starting to inject the idea of crickets everywhere uh, or the metaverse everywhere. But they'll sell it to the public as some sort of equitable system in which you're going to be able to vote on certain things directly to the oligarchs that control the various systems, et cetera, et cetera. So you will be uh, scammed into it, schemed into it through propaganda. But what's going to happen is they'll eliminate the so-called governments, and it'll be replaced with a government of the actual scientists and engineers controlling these various sectors and supply chains and that effectively will be the technocracy so now you understand why world economic forum is in charge of creating the public private alliance the public private partnership because they need the companies on board and they need the governments on board so a lot of these politicians must be promised something they're going to move into positions on boards of these companies i don't know how all that's going to work yet folks but basically they're going to turn over the reins of uh, power to the scientists and engineers and it'll just be more publicly known than it is today and they're going to do it through this stakeholder capitalist system which is basically the technocracy And, and that's how it's going to work and that is what is happening today it's consolidation of the businesses right now under the hands of the technocrats that's what we're seeing happen Now, let me just show you something else that popped up here, folks, okay? This is at CNBC.com, and it's great because this came out yesterday. I didn't see it until I was done recording the show, episode 70, and I had just gotten done talking about the technocracy, and part of the technocracy or quasi-technocracy is that there are representative... Uh, politicians, you know, elected representatives, but the government hands over the reins of the major decisions in the engineering of society and the economy to the technocrats, right? That's part of the quasi-technocracy. And so this is an article that had just come out on CNBC.com. It says how Google's former CEO Eric Schmidt, helped write artificial intelligence laws in Washington without publicity disclosing investments or without publicly disclosing investments in artificial intelligence startups. And so I, I think I may have even mentioned Eric Schmidt being on the AI Council as an example when I was explaining technocracy and how our government is turning over major pieces of the government and managing a society to these technologists, these scientists, and engineers. So when this came up, I said, wow, this is pretty amazing that this landed in our lap. So it says right here, five months after Schmidt was appointed to the National Security Commission on Artificial Intelligence, that was by Trump, by the way, he made a little notice private investment in an initial seed round of financing for a startup company called Beacon, It was the first of a handful of direct investments he would make in artificial intelligence startup companies during his tenure as chairman of the Artificial Intelligence Commission. While there is no indication that Schmidt broke any ethics rules or did anything unlawful, government ethics advisors say his investment presented a huge conflict of interest. And so I'm not going to go into this article because the details are not really important. I'm just showing you there you go. All right, that's Eric Schmidt, former head of Google, who was, uh, well, many call him actually the new Henry Kissinger which we haven't even gone into deep dives on Kissinger yet, but I will eventually get to that, folks. But there you go. There is a technocrat who was put on a committee advising the president about the United States government investing in artificial intelligence and governing artificial intelligence. And so meanwhile, he's cashing in on the sidelines, making investments in artificial intelligence companies. But this is an example of the technocracy in full swing, the government outsourcing decision making on laws, on laws. Look at the title of the article there, okay? How Google's former CEO, Eric Schmidt, helped write AI laws in Washington, all right? So they bring in these people that are not elected, this is not a representative, who's helping shape laws he answers not to me not to you okay and so he's helped shaping laws for ai which is technology and we know that ai's job is going to be to replace us or at least force we mere mortal humans into a position in which we have to merge with ai under the concept of singularity folks so there you go another example of technocracy in full swing and coming to fruition all right now i want to show you this article here folks this is a little segment i call my dad is crazy and gullible so yesterday folks uh, my mother and father divorced, by the way, so they were not texting on the same chain and they were not sitting there together. But my father texted me over, as he always does, some screenshots uh, from when he's watching Tucker Carlson. He sits there with his iPad and takes pictures of the TV and sends me things, stuff that I usually write back and say, wow, I told you that three years ago, but I guess it's not true until Tucker Carlson tells you. So yesterday, he's watching Tucker Carlson, and apparently Tucker is talking about this story, New York City Mayor reacting to subway crime suggests not wearing headphones. So my father has to go into a long rant about how the New York City Mayor is a fruitcake, and now this guy is doing this, but he helped create the crime, and then he belittles the police officers, and now the police officers aren't doing their job to enforce the law because they are the final line between the criminal and the non-criminals, and so my father sends it over to me. And I was thinking to myself, okay, uh, how am I going to write him back? And so I put a response together, and I told him this is all part of the plan. This is how you usher in a prison planet technocracy. You have to create the problem, provoke the reaction, and offer the solution. And when I get back, folks, I will offer you the solution. My name is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. More listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.TV. Join the discussion at Payne.TV slash gold.